Morning. Here's what I love about where we are with Hope for Christmas. We're way beyond comfortable. We're, we're way beyond what makes sense even. We're at the point now that if God doesn't show up in the hearts of his, of his people and we don't step into the opportunity that God has given us, it won't happen. And that's super excited to be in that place because we need God to do it and it's not just us, right? We can't do this on our own. That we are going to, on the other side of this thing, we're gonna get to see the power of God through the hands of his church. And I hope you get fired up about that too. Because he's gonna do it through you, through me. In two different communities. Here in Cherokee County and in Pickens County. We're gonna get to spread the gospel through an simple act of gift giving and remind people that they are loved by their heavenly father. It's not just giving a trinket. We get the opportunity to do something eternally significant in somebody's life. We aren't just handing them a box. We're handing them the gospel shown through the actions of the church. And I pray as the years go by, that it's more and more and more. How about you? All right. Well, today is no different. We are going to do some eternally significant things in this room as well. And I know that, I know all of you got an extra hour of sleep and you didn't stay up too late watching football. Nobody did that in this room, including me but we're gonna do some eternally significant work in this room today, and I hope you're prepared to do it. Let's pray before we get started. God, I pray that today that we are prepared, that we, we came in here expecting you to do something in us. And maybe we didn't come in here that way. God, I pray that you would do that right now that you would shift our hearts to whatever we brought in or whatever's going on in our life or outside, whatever's on our mind that maybe is not eternally significant. But God, that you would shift us, shift our focus and shift our heart to what you wanna say to us today. Through your word, we wanna hear you we wanna know you more when we walk out of our church. God, help us to respond to your moving. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. All right, that being said, I want you to go ahead and pull your Bibles out. We're gonna be in uh, the book of John, continuing through that. We're gonna be in chapter 16 today, starting in verse 25. And, and here's the deal, there's, there's, a, there's a lot going on. We've come out of a good bit of what Jesus has been talking about with his disciples, specifically about the Holy Spirit. And, and today, we are, we are coming to a point where, where Jesus begins to explain some things to his disciples because there's about to be a significant shift in what's coming 
in the book of John. And it's important for us, specifically at this point, where you're gonna see what Jesus says, for us to understand what Jesus is saying very plainly. And that means that we've got to know and we've got to examine the words and the language. And it, it becomes real important. Because sometimes I think we read scripture and we, we kind of, we fill in the gaps, we start assuming instead of kind of diving in and what, what does Jesus mean by that? Why is he saying it that way? So today, you've got to be focused. You've gotta be dialed in and, and ready to pull out and, and really examine, put some things under a microscope a little bit so we can pull out the truth of what Jesus is trying to say in these few verses. And there's not much, but there's a ton going on. So we've gotta dial in. So I want you to turn to the person next to you, Canton, Jasper, I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, I'm dialed in. I, mean, I think that your dialed in and my dialed in is different. <laughs> Here's the deal. The reason I ask you to do that is because I, I want there to be an awareness for us. That we don't come to church as part, just, just as a routine that we go through every week. This is life-changing for us and those around us. It is eternally significant that we sit in this place under the power of this word. It is worth being dialed into. It is worth opening our eyes for, opening our ears for, opening our hands and saying, God, whatever you want today, I'm yours. Please speak to me. It's eternally significant. Church, are you dialed in? Come on, let's do this. All right. Okay, John chapter 16, verse 25. We're gonna kind of we're, we're coming out of a passage where, where, where Jesus is talking about, he's talking with language that, that is figurative, and he's gonna say this here. Verse 25, watch this. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming. Well, I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. That's a big deal. Because Jesus is about to, he's saying, I'm about to talk to you and teach you in a different way than I have been before. Not that what I've been talking about before and the way I've been talking to you before is, is not good, but Jesus is so good at teaching his disciples and so good at leading that he teaches in layers. He teaches so that they can, they can get it in small bites and then he begins to increase, increase, increase. And that's what he does with us too. Figures of speech are important. When he begins to paint pictures, teach in parables, talk about things that maybe they don't quite understand yet, or have experienced yet. We do this all the time, especially in the South. This is, and I'm gonna remind you of this because it plays out for us as well. We have sayings that we say that help us understand things that, that when we get to a certain spot and we, then we experience them, we have a light bulb moment. Oh, that's what that meant. And we, we can remember them well. When you mess with the bull, you get the 
Like taking candy from a? Shooting fish in a? When it rains, it? See what I mean? That's what, same concept that Jesus is doing with his disciples. He's talking about them and just figures of speech that they can, they can get. So he know, Jesus knows is what's coming and he's trying to prepare them, get them ready for something that when they get there, they say, oh, that makes sense. I get it. But Jesus in this final leg of how he's pre- preparing his, these guys that he's been hanging out with, his disciples, people that have been around him, he begins to speak in a different way. And it's really important that we understand when Jesus begins to speak this way, we need to start listening and we need to start listening real close. Because for Jesus, he's about to describe something for these guys that is such, a, 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 such an important human experience, something that we'll all experience at some point in our life, which means he's not only talking to these guys, but he's talking to us too. He's getting us ready too, because we are going to experience this kind of feeling at some point in our life, and we need to be ready for it. And Jesus, in his patience and kindness to us, he prepares us. But for these guys, it is a specific moment in time. It's not a concept. It's not something that's gonna happen over a long period of time. But he begins to talk about something. And that's why he gets so specific because he's talking about a period, short period in time that these disciples are going to experience in in this whole episode with Jesus. And the moment that he's giving them, the the moment that that he's prepping them for, getting them ready for, will be the moment that changes time for all of us. And it ain't gonna be easy on these guys. But so pivotal, not only in their life, but in our life too. Because Jesus is preparing them for the moment that they walk up to the cross and they pull his lifeless body off of it. That his blood and his sweat is on them. That then when they see him next, He's not speaking to 5,000 people. He's not healing people walking down the road. He's not turning water into wine. He's not teaching parables. He's not feeding multitudes with loaves and fish. He's lifeless and silent. There's no movement, there's nothing miraculous It's just the very thing that we all experience in that moment. If you've ever been around somebody that has passed away, 
It is very human. And they take his body and it gets prepared in silence and stillness. They wrap his body and they place it in a tomb. And you know, at every second, they're just saying, when is this gonna change? When, when is this gonna shift? When's it gonna end? And finally, they close that tomb and they walk away with lots of questions. Probably some frustration, some anger. And they feel this emotion that, that all of us feel when things become real final. And all of us are gonna experience something like that in our life whether it's the loss of a loved one, a loss of a job, the end of a marriage, betrayal of a friend. We'll all experience these things in our life. And it seems like in those moments that at least a piece of us gets lost. That the hope that we, we once had in, in whatever that relationship was or situation, whatever hope we had is now gone. But I want you to listen to what Jesus says. I want you to listen to what he says to these guys, knowing that they're going to go through this. In that day, you will ask in my name. And I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. This is real significant. We're gonna get back to that. Verse 27. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. If you're taking notes today, I want you to write this down. And these points are long and I'm gonna tell you why. But the first one is because of Jesus, because of Jesus and our belief in him, we are loved by God the Father because of Jesus. Now, it's important for us to understand what Jesus is saying here. And we have to pull these things out because when I, when I first started going through this, I started making points. And I, the, the point that I made, I even wrote it down. That God the Father loves you. And that's not, that's not actually true in and of itself. He does love you, but there's so much more to that that we have to understand. Because if we only operate in half of this, we only get half the truth that doesn't get us 
fully through whatever situation that comes to us trying to steal our hope because we don't actually know how to get past that specific thing. See why I told you you need to be dialed in? But it's not complicated. The point that Jesus says to this, and he, he tells them to, he said, that day you're gonna ask in my name and you're gonna think that I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna go to the Father and ask on your behalf. And he says, that's not what I came to do. I, I'm not your spiritual telephone. I came, my job was to come and restore the relationship with the Father and you. For you to have an intimate relationship with the God of all creation again. Now, we understand other parts of scripture that Jesus pays this, plays a significant role in the inter, intermediary part of praying for us even when we don't know how. He does that for sure. But that doesn't negate the fact that Jesus came in and he created a way, a path for us to return to our intimate, close, walking in the garden kind of relationship with our heavenly father. And Jesus says, listen, you, you have, you're going to have access to him. At any moment, I'm about to give you access to the Father again, restore what was lost, what was stolen from you because of sin. I'm about to restore it. But without Jesus, that connection is not there. And that's why it becomes so important for us to understand that we just don't believe in this higher power or this thing that happened or aliens coming down or whatever people just conjure up. It is because of Jesus and his finished work on the cross and the resurrection that we get to live. That's it, plain and simple, period. Jesus came to destroy anything that stood in the way of you and the Father, to give you complete, unrestricted access to him. Especially in times where we feel like we are all alone and our hope is lost. And I, I wanna remind you that when you come to those points and, and you, we get to look back, what an incredible gift, we get to look back on the cross and whenever something comes into your mind or somebody begins to lie to you or you begin to believe the lies that God doesn't love me or he's left me or any of that junk, that's not true. All you have to do is remind yourself of the cross. That's the importance of it. It was a visual representation of how much he loves us. Just remember the cross. Just remember the sacrifice that was made. And the resurrection that demonstrated his power to even overcome that. 
So his disciples respond to this, okay? So Jesus says this to them, and his disciples respond to this in verse 29. His disciples said, see, I told you. Oh, I don't know why I get this voice when the disciples start talking. I feel like it's my own internal voice of when I say kind of dumb things to Jesus. So just bear with me. His disciples said, oh, now you're speaking plainly and not just in figurative speech. Well, yeah, Jesus has said that. Verse 30, now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Okay? Listen to Jesus' response. This is hilarious. Jesus answered them, do you now believe? Like this was it? Like all I had to do is say like two verse, three verses and you're good? It wasn't the last few years that we've been walking and you've seen me do all this crazy junk, bringing people to life and turning wine into water into wine. I mean, all this other crazy stuff. That wasn't it. There was just these, that's all I had to do. Man, we could have shortened this timeline. Here's the cool thing. And you're gonna know that this is, it's not that Jesus is being sarcastic, but he's asking them a, a question to be like, I mean, he's caught, just imagine the state of the universe cocking his head and be like, what you talking about, Willis? Because that's what's happening, literally. And here's the, here's the thing. This makes me feel better. Pastor Jason even talked about this. And I think it's important for us to, this just makes me feel better. Because sometimes when Jesus tells me thing or things or he asks me things, sometimes I'll be like, I don't know. I don't know if that's really a good idea. And then Jesus cocks his head and he says, really? After, have you seen all that back there that I've done for you, how faithful I've been? And, and this, this little thing is you're, you're like, nah, I don't know. You, you, really, you really want me to go for, forgive that person that said those things about me? Yeah, I do. You really want me to tell that person in my family or that person in my work about me? Yeah, yes, I, I, I really do. I wanna I want use you to present the gospel to them, yes. 10%? Really? Really? That's a lot, Jesus. 10% of my, I don't know if I, I don't know if that's right. I need to do the math again. Cassie, remember the Cassio watches where you do the math on your phone? Oh, on, your, on your phone, this is bad. On your, on, anybody have those? Anybody? Anybody have those? Like four people. <laughs> but the thing is, is that it makes me feel better. It should make you feel better. That even these guys, after all this time, walked up and said, well, now we believe you, Jesus. Okay. And Jesus, in his, in his compassion and love for them, he knew it already. It wasn't like this took him off guard, that they weren't still struggling. Because 
even past this, we're gonna see the struggle continue because their statement, even right here, does not hold much water based on some of the actions that they're gonna take here in the very near future. He's even helping them through their unbelief and he helps us through our unbelief too. I hope that makes you feel better because it does me. Jesus says back to him. And this is how I know that he's, he's cocking his head. Behold, which is, y'all need to just sit down and listen. I, I gotta tell you, just be quiet. Shh, just, shh, stop talking. They've lost all their speaking privileges at this point. Jesus says, behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come. Like they're right on the cusp of all of this. When you will be scattered each to his own home and will leave me alone. Now we're gonna stop right there. I know that's not the end of the verse, but we're gonna stop right there. Man, when I, when I read that, that word, alone, I started thinking about a time in my own life that I felt alone. Sorry, my sister's in the room and she's gonna know this story real well. And this, this moment is one of those moments in my life that I don't know that I talk about much, but man, it made such a significant impact on me. And it was when my father died. And I didn't have a great relationship with my father. At that point, I hadn't seen my father in years. He wasn't a good dad. Man, but I, I so hoped that he would at some point, that his life would be changed. But I remember getting the call that he had passed away and I remember going into the place that they had placed him. And it was the coldest room I've ever been in my life. Not necessarily because of the temperature. But I walked, I remember seeing his body and I remember feeling more alone than I've ever felt in my entire life. Because before that, there were, I, I, did, I had hoped that something would happen, that something would shift in my dad, that he would change. And in that moment, it was gone. I fell alone. And I think just, you know, being a man and, and relationship with his father is just gone. And there's nothing quite like this feeling of loneliness that, that can devastate us as humans. Studies have been done, obviously, a lot about the effects of loneliness. And it, 
literally can kill us. To the point that an extended period of loneliness can increase our mortality by 33%. That's as much as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. That's crazy talk. That's a significant impact that, that this type of situation can have on us as humans. And it's no surprise that this is a tactic that Satan uses to destroy us over and over and over again. He wants to get us by ourselves alone so that no truth can be spoken to us. That he has his way with us in telling us that, well, you, you really are alone. And you don't really deserve anybody to come and help you. Which is absolutely and utterly, completely against what the gospel says. That your heavenly father is with you in every moment, in every second. Three types of loneliness that that we can understand that become really important, physical, emotional, and situational. Physically, obviously, is disconnected from somebody over distances, you don't get to see them again. Emotionally is that people don't know how I feel, they don't understand what's going on, I don't know how to, to emotionally correct where I'm at. Situational is, I feel like I'm the only one that cares about this. I'm the only one that can do this. There's nobody here to help me to, to get past this problem or get past this task or whatever. And Jesus knows that these guys are about to experience all three of them all at once. Literally, their whole world is about to come crashing down. Now I'm gonna ask you something. By a raise of hands, how many of you, Kent and Jasper, how many of you have ever felt alone? Raise your hand. You put them down. And it's amazing when there's a realization that not only has God not left us alone, but he's also provided other people that have been through the same thing that we may be going through now, have gone through, or may go through in the future. You just experienced the power of the church sitting here in this place. And how important that becomes in our life. And I want, I want you to take a moment and I know I'm sitting on this for a minute, I'm camping out here for a minute because we can't go past it because this is what Jesus is telling them and you need to know as well. I want you to take a minute. And I want you to remember that moment for you. I want you to take a minute, I want you to remember a moment that you've had in your life that you felt alone. 
Now, if you got it in your mind, this is what Jesus' response to his disciples are and to us as well. We'll read verse 32 again. Behold, the hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home. You will leave me alone. Jesus says, yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. You're writing down second point that I want you to get today. Because of Jesus, we are not alone. And the cool thing about what Jesus does here is he's not saying to, he doesn't say specifically to, to you and I, you are not alone, but he says something much greater. He uses himself as the example, which that's what, that's what good leaders do. He uses the example, himself as the example here of what their relationship with their heavenly father should look like and will look like, what it will be. And he says, you're gonna think I'm alone, I'm not. Because if you go back to verse 27, he explains this to them that God loves you also. He loves you like he loves me because of what I'm gonna do for you. He loves you this much too. When you think all is lost, when you think that there's no hope whatsoever, God steps into those moments and says, you are not alone. I am with you every step of the way. I don't give up on you. I don't back out on you. I'm with you every step of the way. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, you are not alone. Verse 33, Jesus sums this up, and this is so cool. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. Peace. That that burden that you're gonna feel, I've taken it. In me, you are going to have peace. Significant word. In the world, you will have tribulation or trouble. But take heart. Don't be discouraged. Take heart. I have overcome the world. That word overcome, better translated, conquered. It belongs to Jesus. There is nothing greater that can take it away from him. He has stepped in, taken control. It, it, it is his it is no one else's. He gets to call the shots. Conquered. And because of that, it has no power over us either. Last point. Because Jesus conquered the world, we have peace. Peace. I'm, I'm gonna try to describe this to you because I want you to, I, I really want us to understand what this means and how this plays out. 
Have you ever been lost in the woods or just lost in general, physically lost somewhere? And maybe if you haven't, imagine, imagine that with me for a minute. If you've ever been lost in the woods, it's, it's, a, it's a significant, crazy kind of feeling because you get this anxiety like, oh no. I, I thought I knew where to go. I thought I knew where I was, but I don't. I don't recognize anything around me. I don't know which way to go. And, and this, your heart starts pounding. Your mind starts racing. Where did, where did I go wrong? Where did I lose my way? How do I get back there? What's gonna happen if I don't get back there? All this stuff starts running through your mind. Your anxiety grows rapidly in that moment. And the realization that the next step I take might be in the wrong direction. It might be away from home. But I have no idea how to figure this out. I have no idea how to get back home. But all of a sudden, Maybe you hear a voice in the distance calling your name. Maybe you remember something. Oh, I took a turn, wrong turn back then. I need to go back there and go the other way. Maybe you see a flashlight or, or headlights or hear the roar of cars on a highway. And all of a sudden, all of that anxiety, all of, all of that panic that you just had turns into peace. Whew. It's fun of you. Some of you did that with me. <laughs> and that's what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is our way home that takes all these significant, all these situations that make us feel alone and he steps in in those moments and says, you are not, I've got the way home. I've got your way out of here. Just follow me. Maybe you've, Never experienced that peace. And I, I, I just thought about this, but you're gonna, you're gonna get something real raw. The only, I mean, the best way I know how to describe it is, there's a pretty familiar song. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now. Yeah. 
You don't have to do this alone. You have a heavenly father that wants to step into those moments, step into those times that you feel like all hope is lost. When you feel lost, and lead you home. Pray with me. Father, I pray that in these seats today, God, that you would speak to us so clearly that if, if we're going through a moment of loneliness, or maybe we've just been lonely for a long time, God, Thank you that you remind us through your word that we're not alone. And that, that not only you step in from a spiritual and supernatural perspective, God, but you send others around us, even in the midst of times like this, that we're not alone because other people have gone through the same thing with us or similar situations. God, if there are those in this room that feel lost and they've never had a relationship with you, God, they've, they've never experienced that peace, but maybe have been, have been walking through the woods for a long time in the wrong direction. God, I pray today that they would hear you call their name right now. Holy Spirit, that you would draw them, that you would overcome their resistance to you, God, that you would save those who are in this place that have felt so lost for so long. And you would lead them home. Now, God, we know that there are, <laughs> we may not be home yet, but just the fact that we have a way, that we know that we're heading towards home, that we may have miles to go. And the journey may be tough, but God, we can have peace in knowing that you are leading us home. If we would only follow you. So God, simply today, I ask, there's anybody that has never begun that step to follow you or, or to walk toward, towards you calling their voice, if they've never surrendered their life to you, to allow you to lead them, that they would do that right now. And if that's you, and you're tired of being lost, you're ready to follow Jesus home. I want you to say this with me. And I'm, I'm just helping you lead. I'm just helping you walk through this. This prayer is not magical. It's, it's just helping you communicate with your heavenly father. To ask him, God, would you save me 
I don't want to be lost anymore. I want to follow Jesus. But I need even your help to do that. God, would you save me today? Thank you for loving me so much that you sent your son, Jesus, to connect me back to you. I want to follow you from this day forward. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me today, I, I want you to do something real quick. And every head bowed and every eye closed, both locations, we've got some, some team members that are going to walk around and, and they're going to give you a gift. But I want you to do something really quick. And this is really more for you than for anything, for you to have an opportunity to demonstrate I'm not lost anymore. If you prayed that prayer with me, I want you to raise your hand right now. Now, for those in the room, follow Jesus. But maybe we don't take complete access of how we can, we can step into his goodness, step into his power when we're alone, when we feel like all hope is lost. I want you to walk out today knowing that you're not that he's conquered it all. It all belongs to him and you have access to the Father. That at any moment of every day that you come encounter with it, you have the ability to say, God, I feel lost. I feel alone. And I want you to watch what he does. God, thank you for the truth of your word, the power of your word. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.